Hi everyone, welcome to the Ben Parry Podcast Experience. Today I've got Paul Spencer from Good Vibes Marketing. Thank you, Paul, for Hi, coming in. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. Um, for those who don't know, Paul and I are Insta social friends and we've never met in person until now. And no. it's quite weird, you sort of feel like you know somebody. Yeah, definitely. When, and we were just talking about this before we start recording. Um, but I think it's awesome. I think that's what social media is about. It's not just having a social relationship. If there's an opportunity to actually meet them in person, we should all be doing that. Yeah, um, yeah, so that's it's brilliant. So thanks for coming yeah, on. Yeah, no, thanks for inviting me. No, glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so let's kick it off. Um, I know a little bit about you. Yeah, yeah. but for um, not much because I want to know. You know, yeah. I'm really inter- interested to learn a lot more about you um, yeah. and your story and your journey. Yeah. And we're going to focus on the business side. Um, but there's a little thing that you did tell me, which we're going to leave till later on the podcast and yeah. for the video streaming. That I'm gonna pick your brains on. Okay. As you have told me before, but I'm just gonna leave that okay. little hang for everybody to keep tuned in. Um, so, Paul, tell me about your, your business journey. You know where you at now? What's yeah. what's good vibes marketing? And yeah, yeah. Start there, and we'll talk. Then we'll re- reverse and talk about how you got there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a year into um, into starting a company called Good Vibes Marketing Limited. Um, so I'm based just outside Biddeford, Northern. Um, so I'm working from home. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll come, come on to sort of background, but I've worked, I've t- basically I've worked in marketing firm and sales for sort of 15, 20 years. Um, and certainly over the last, certainly five years, I guess, um, you know, I had a burning desire to, um, to stop and run my own business. Um, and you know, being a sort of marketing manager, marketing director, but be, always being hands-on, um, you know, I certainly felt for the last few years that actually, or questioned myself, is this something I can do uh, you know, for myself rather than just for my employer uh, and, and, and do essentially my job as an outsourced um, marketing support for, for clients. So, um, and, you know, and it was a burning desire to, to just develop and run my own business. You know, I felt like I'd um, you know, come so far in terms of I had a, a kind of a management team, a board position in quite a big corporate. Yeah. You know, lots of, I've been really fortunate to do lots of traveling through, through work and things over the years. Um, and for me, it was kind of, although I didn't do it, you know, in my 20s, it was still kind of the, the next step. Actually, you know, I don't necessarily want to um, continue on that sort of corporate yeah. sort of ladder, um, but I want to sort of, you know, not conquer, but I want to prove to myself that I can actually be successful running my own business as well. Brilliant. And what was the sort of the driving factor to actually think, I want to do this? Um, well, you know, it's a strange one because, um, you know, life balance often doesn't come into sort of, you know, running your own business because it's, it's not just nine to five. We talked about that before we went live, didn't we? It's not, yeah. it's not just nine to five. 100%. Although life balance came into it a little bit. You know, I was, um, I was living in Devon, I was traveling frequently around the country and often overseas. Um, I had quite a high pressure sort of corporate role, you know, two young children, and certainly the first year of my, my daughter sort of being at school was never, certainly was never around this area to, to do school runs and things like that. So part, life balance was, was, a, was a partial thing, not, not as much as the desire to run my own business. Um, but it was... Was it, the, was it the perception of getting a better work-life balance, going self-employed, thinking that... <clears throat> You're not you're not owned by that corporate, yeah. and I can choose what I do when I do it. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and it's not. Yeah, it's exactly that because it's not it's not a work ethic thing. You know, we talked about again before we went live, didn't we? The fact that you know there's almost no start and end to the day, which is which is good and bad. Yeah. Um, has pros and cons, but it's positive in the sense that you know you can go out and do a school run, um, get the kids to bed, and, and do two or three hours of work in the evening. You can do that. Yeah. You know? So it's not. It's not and you're doing it for yourself, aren't you? That's yeah. the difference. You're doing it for yourself, exactly, you know, and that feels very, very different to sort of, you know, slogging away for, for other people, doesn't it, when your salary is fixed, mm. you know, you, you know, maybe you've got a really good salary, I wasn't a good position, but, um, but you know, when you work for yourself, your salary is flexible, almost, almost to a degree, the more you do, the more efficiently you work, you know, potentially, the, 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 the more you're going to earn and, and the faster your business is going to develop, you know. And uh, we'll carry on, because I want to know about how... The, the early stages of your career, but we'll carry on this on this sort of um, path. Yeah. Was it um. Was it what you expected when you first dived into leaving the corporate world to, to you know start your own business and did you get that work life balance that you expected or is it a case of you can hack your own day? You know, it means that you can 
look after your kids or take them to school, do the school run, but it might mean you've got to work until midnight or whatever it is. And yeah, I think partially it was it was as I expected, but partially it's, it's actually been more challenging than, than I expected because I think you know having that sort of life balance thing is a little bit of like, like a chicken and egg sort of situation because. You know, my wife runs her own business as well, and we sort of flex it sort of between us, depending on people's com- on our commitments. Um, you know, and it's great that I can go into the school room, but obviously when I'm on the school and I'm I'm not spending time targeting new clients and, de- and developing business. Um, but at the same time, I might have time to do it. So it's a little bit like you know, I need to spend the time developing the business. Um, you know, but also I've got time to reflect when time to spend with the kids. So no, it's it's been it's been more it's been more challenging. The, the, the life the life balance element of it has been more challenging than than I expected. But as in, not as much as you're expecting. Yeah, exactly. It, it, exactly. it didn't. I think that's the thing. For anyone who's employed, I think the the vision, and often what you know, my friends say or people are here. Oh, you know, oh, you can just take a day off and yeah. go down to Exeter, go to London, and I don't know, nip off here, <clears throat> nip off there. In all honesty, yeah. I work harder than I've ever worked. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a myth yeah. about having an easy life, yeah. and you can take a day off or. You know, especially, you know, when you start growing the business and you're responsible for those people underneath you to make yeah. sure that you can keep them. Of course. And I think, and I think it's, 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 a, it's a mindset thing. So, you know, I think when we, had, when we had the snow, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, that Friday was great, wasn't it? Because for a lot of kids, certainly... Oh, it wound house, me up. You know, I Excuse my language. <laughs> well, you know, so, so it was kind I of... I loved it days. for that reason. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Exactly. I loved it for the, the kids. And we did some sledging and all that stuff. Brilliant. But I was yeah. like... But I think even when you're out, you know, you can't, you know, and what, what, what my wife certainly gets this as well, and you sort of get this frustration, you're almost challenging yourself because you want to be there for your children and just spend time with your kids, and you don't want to be on your phone while the kids are play, playing, but inevitably you, you do that as a business owner, you, you just do that. Um, so I think when you're sledging down that hill, you know, as a business owner, you know, you are partially thinking of, oh, I need to call that client when I get back, or I, haven't, I didn't send that email, I didn't yeah, just, yeah. You know, so it's always on your mind, isn't it? You know? Definitely. And actually, you know what, it's interesting, I've talked about this before, and I think, for working men, often it's overlooked about that a sacrifice we make for our families and children in the sense of we're sacrificing not being able to see them as much as we'd like to. Yeah. Because yeah. I constantly feel guilt, constantly yeah. feel guilt that I'm not focused enough on them, I don't see them as much as I want, I'm not you know, home early enough, you know, and all that stuff. And I think it, it's never talked about. It's never talked about. I think it's often, Often the perception is, oh, the man's at work, he can't be bored with the kids, he lets the wife or whatever, you know, look after them, and they're the main carer. No one really talks about that sacrifice the man has to make. And I know there's men out there who don't really, uh, you know, family orientated and things like that. But I think for a lot of men who are, there is that sacrifice. And I'm sure there are for women as well, don't get me wrong, because, you know, there are lots of working women. But I'm obviously looking at it from my perspective, being a man, and I think... And I, I sense that you feel yeah, I think sacrifice. So, I think you just want to do the right things, you know, by everyone. Yeah, and that and that is almost impossible to a degree, isn't it? To to, to do that, you know, so to do, to do the right thing, you know, by your business and to be developing it all the time. And to, we talked about thinking about the long term and strategizing and things like that. You know, is is challenging because you do the day to day. You know, similarly, you know, spending time with your kids when you really you really want to, you want to do that, you desire to do that, mm. but ultimately. You know, you've, you've got a business to, to develop and run at the same time. So it's very, very difficult, and you almost kind of, almost kind of argue with yourself in your own mind yeah. sometimes. But yeah, it's, just, it's a no, no win situation. No, definitely, definitely. So, um, I tell before we get onto where Give Vibes is and what it's doing and all the rest of it, tell me a bit about you know your sort of background in terms of you know. Did you go to university? What happened at university? What was your sort of journey? Yeah, yeah. So I listened to I listened to like one of your podcasts. I think it was the, the the radiographer where you were talking about that kind of academic route mm. kind of being the norm, mm. you know, and, 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 and it is the norm still for mm. a lot of people, and it certainly was when when you know twenty years ago for, for me, you know. So so yeah, you know, I, I did my GCSEs, did my levels. It was never. It was always. Um, it was always the idea that I would then go to university, you know, and. Um, so, so yeah, I went to Bath University, I did a degree in sort of business and finance. Brilliant. What year was that? Uh, I graduated in 98. Ah, so, uh, uh, I was at UWE, uh, in Bristol. Oh, were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. I graduated in 99, so we're sort yeah, of uh, similar, similar nearby. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. It was a good area to, to oh, go to university, awesome. actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I did a business degree, sort of specialised in marketing, even back then. You yeah. know, it was, out of all the business mod- modules, it was, it was the thing I was most interested in, because it was kind of glamorous, I suppose. You know, I got interested in brands and did a lot of studies of, you know, the obvious brands, mm. you know, like your Fords and your Coca-Colas yeah. and your Hoovers and all that sort of thing. 
Um, so I did a dissertation in sort of marketing and consumer psychology and all that. So, but to cut a long story short, I, think I, you know, I came out of university like a lot of people do, you know, 21, I looked like I was about 12. <laughs> um, you know, I had, had no job experience whatsoever, but I had a degree, you yeah. know, and, and that's it. So, you know, I, I, I remember my first year going to London, you know, numerous times for job interviews, marketing, for, for marketing roles, interviews. And you know, I just, I just, I couldn't get. I was struggling to, to get the jobs. I needed needed the experience. And um, that's interesting. Yeah, and I actually ended up going back home. And I, uh, I worked in a call centre for nearly two years. No, for just over two years. Um, crazy. Yeah, I was in a call centre. I was fortunate because it was it was ITV, and uh, it was a really young, dynamic sort of environment. So yeah. within about six months, I was sort of I was a, a team leader managing a team of people yeah. in a call centre. Quite a high pressure environment. Yeah. You know, salary was terrible, but yeah. I was living at home. I got fired from the call centre. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you why. <laughs> well, this was a bit like an extension of being at university, because yeah. actually we were, we were all young. We were yeah. all, you know, some people were still at college, doing part-time. So, it's all for the college shift. students. Yeah, we'd do a shift, and then we'd be in, we'd be in the pub yeah. at night drinking, you know. Um, <laughs> although, to be honest, earning, earning 10 grand a year at... at, at 21, 22, living at home. I, was, I think I was better off than, than, I, than I have been in the last 20 years, to be honest. Sort of financially. But, um, but no, I sort of, you know, I did that. I had to get the experience under my belt and, um, and did a couple of jobs. I worked, um, I worked, in, I worked in car sales for, for a little bit, you know. And, um, so, but I, I moved around a little bit in my sort of early to mid-20s. But by sort of 25, I, got, I was really fortunate to get a job working for Alcoa, who are the biggest aluminium company in the world. In, in the world. Um, we were all graduates, we all had a bit of experience, a bit of marketing, a bit of account management, but suddenly I found myself at 25, 26, travelling over to America. And what was the role you, you got? It was, it was account management. Yeah. Um, they're, 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 a, they're a manufacturer of aluminium products yeah. that go into B2B environments like automotive, aerospace. Yeah. I was mainly focused on aerospace, so I actually had, had, I had clients like Airbus, Boeing, uh, Bombardier in, in Belfast. Um, you know, and I suddenly grew up, you know, at sort of 26, I was traveling to Belfast every month, I was in America a couple of times, two or three times a year, um, and it was just an amazing experience, you know, amazing experience. I still wasn't really getting the marketing element of what I really wanted to do, mm. but from a sort of a more of a senior, I guess, business perspective, I was getting a lot of really good experience. And it was getting you more into that uh, environment, because obviously a lot of marketing companies have accounting sectors <coughs> and things like that, so it was getting to you yeah. into that experience sector. Yeah, which I guess gave you the opportunities. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, and although it wasn't necessarily a desire, I sort of found myself almost having the aspiration of, of that almost being my career full stop to work for global businesses. Mm. You know, and, and it's very different now, which I'll come on to. But my aspiration then was was I, I was I was um, I was excited by that sort of corporate ladder. I looked yeah. at the global bods and thought, you know, well, you know, I'm here now. I was working in Birmingham. Okay, not particularly glamorous, but you know, I was working for an American business. You know, had their, their offices in, in Pittsburgh, and you know, and I thought, well, actually, you know, I could be working in places like that. I could go and live in America. And, Massive you know. opportunities working for these organisations. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and, and so I sort of carried on like that, and then I ended up um, after that. I went to um, I had one job sort of in between for a short period of time, but but my next step was um, was Carver, uh, which are. Uh, uh, they're a global manufacturer of um, security and sort of access control products. Everything from locks and keys up to sort of car-based access management systems. Um, you know, massive, big billion sort of Swiss franc business. You know what? It's amazing the sort of companies that are existing out there. It's yeah. phenomenal that we, you know, I, you know, never heard of. You no, know, no, most I mean, people probably haven't, but some of you probably yeah, have. Yeah, well, it's quite, it's quite strange because I mean, you know, we in this country we sort of grow up knowing products like Yale because they're on, they're on your, your yeah. front door of your yeah. house. Carver are like that in Switzerland and, and Germany, right. Austria. They're the known brand. Right. But in the UK and in a, in a lot of other countries in Europe, they're not. They're not as well known. Um, well, just to show how isolated we are in our own little bubbles, and our own little bubbles could be whatever it is in the, in the area we live in or in the environment we grow up in. Um, yeah. But you know, just you know, in the UK we use the Yale locks, but there is obviously a huge market of other. Yeah, it's massive. You know, and actually, you know, their market in the UK for um, hotel locks, for instance, is. I mean, I think they're that they we've been fluctu- they've been fluctuating between one and two in the market for hotel locks. You know, when you go to a hotel, you flash your card. Um, typically nowadays it will be a carbon product that, that you will be be using so they're, they're becoming they will be up they're becoming bigger and bigger and um, um yeah but, but i but i joined the uk part of that operation in um, the end of 2005 we had quite an old school management team but within a couple of years um we had a new md who i, who I now know really really well and, you know a, a, a good friends with, with, with him and we we 
completely changed um, we completely changed the management team, became a much younger management team, completely changed the culture and the mindset within the business over a period of years. Um, but we essentially, we went from a, 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 a company with a 12 million pound turnover, but, was, but a loss making business, um, to, a, to a 23, 24 million pound business that was highly profitable nine, 10 years later. So we pretty much doubled the business in 10 years, which you know, 10 years probably seems quite a lot, but we, we doubled it and we became much more profitable without increasing any, without increasing headcount in, in 10 years. It was, it was a massive journey. Yeah, a massive journey. Amazing. And you were involved with that? Yeah, I was on the management team as, as marketing director. So, um, so it was, yeah, it was an unbelievable experience. Um, so literally dragged it out from the depths yeah. to something, you know, yeah, just it, turning it around and growing it and <clears throat> yeah. you know, pushing it forward. Yeah, it, it, we were really fortunate. It was a good starting point because they're, they're quality products. They're products that are manufactured in places like Germany. You know, mm. like, they're a, it's a German sort of Swiss German product. So, um, you know, we had the quality product um, to we had that, that level of, sort of confidence. So what had to change? What was the... Well, actually, do you know what? It was, um, it was actually, it was the culture in the business. It was the culture. We the actually, culture of the business yeah. was the, the, the fundamental reason for the profitability it, issues. It absolutely was. And, and the lack of income. It, I can categorically say that, you know, say that it was. Because we, we undertook, you know, quite a big sort of culture, culture change programme. And I was actually managing it with the management team, but I was coordinating it for for, for the rest of the guys. And um, we only had, we had 130 odd employees. We had a couple of locations around the UK. Mm. So, um, you know, it was manageable, um, but we didn't increase headcount in that time. We didn't have to reduce headcount in that time, but we, we you know, okay, uh, some individuals changed, um, but essentially it was the same teams, but it was just getting, you know, it, it, you know to use things like sporting analogy, it was, mm. it was you know, we, we, we talked a lot about marginal gains. We talked a lot about, you know, just getting the best out of individuals and empowering people and stuff, you know? That's interesting, because as, as you know, you might listen to um, Dan Thomas' uh, yeah. podcast, yeah. and I was talking about that mindset, sports, and the team the team ethos and the ethic, and the, yeah. getting that culture right, and I'm such a big believer in that, I really am, yeah. and I think there's a lot of lessons that both we, in business we can learn from sport, and equally sport we can exactly. learn from business, yeah. but I think a lot of people pay a lot of lip service for teamwork, and getting the right, you know, culture, you know, yeah. a lot of just tick box exercises, but I'm such a big believer in it. I mean, yeah, I think what we learned during the program is that, you know, I think we, we started off, or we, in fact, we were working with a, a really good business, actually based in New Zealand, and I, I know the guys really well, I still know the guys really well there, now a company called On Brand. And, um, you know, they are experts when it comes to change management and sort of cultural change in, in a business. So we, we, we worked with them to sort of tailor a programme. Well, I was intrigued to sort of learn exactly how you went about changing it. So you yeah, got so those guys involved. And we, we, yeah, so we got those guys involved and they came in and they had some, I guess they had kind of blueprints around, um, you, know, you know, encouraging sort of team conversations around mm. themes and things like that. So we started off, you know, you know obviously we had departments and teams. Um, and... You know, we start off almost like in a monthly cycle. So it might be a th- you know, a theme might be something like understanding your customers, or you know, driving better a, a better performance, or what, you know, whatever it might be. But there were themes. So every every month, all of the the, the, the teams were still in their individual teams and departments, mm. although we did mix that up a little bit. Um, but they were discussing the same things. They were having the same conversations, but it was about their departments. Ultimately, they 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 then came together. Because sometimes those departments would say, well, we want to do the best thing for the customer, but actually we've got something limiting us because this department over here is not kind of, not kind of working, you know, we're not kind of joined up. Yeah. You know, so, so we had to bring those departments, we had to mix people up, bring, you know, mix the departments up. And then, then they start to say, well, ah, well you know, you, you basically they start to come up with ideas and actions. So we have, and this is where it comes back to it not being fluffy and for it to be, it, it to be tangible and yeah. the, the, for the actually, for it to actually drive out actions and yeah. change. So. So basically, there's a structure. It's not a structure. So when these guys came together, they kind of, you know, and, and, and they might they might say, oh yeah, actually, they have, they have a light bulb moment and say, oh yeah, we kind of think that we can't do that quick enough because you're not getting that document to us in time. And they're saying, well, we can't get the document on time. Because, yeah, and actually, they're like, well, actually, someone, 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 comes, someone comes up with a solution and thinks, well, actually, maybe we need one person here to be, and one person there to actually maybe sit together and actually mm-hmm. they're in an open plan office. Maybe they, you know, um, and, that, and that, right, action, that's an action. You know, and actually we came out, you know the whole, I don't know if you've, if you've come across this, but the whole kind of, we, we, we had this system of red and green. So like, you know, green would be a really quick win. Green might be the bin's in the way. It's stopping us from getting through that door quickly. Let's move the bin. It's easy, we can do it straight away. Mm. You know, but an amber or a red action might be something that, you know, red action at the other extreme might require some budget, might require a lot more resources, might require time, might, might require spend. 
Um, so we came up with a long list of ideas, and then it was just a case of right. Every single team meeting, we're going through how many ideas we have we knocked off, get you know, crack on, crack on, crack on, and get through action. So it was a great experience, yeah. yeah and nice. ultimately, it was tangible, um, and ultimately, over a period of years, not weeks or months, no. you know, it changed, it, it dramatically changed the culture of that business. Wow. And did you did you find there was conflict or people were fighting things? Oh, definitely. Or you know, you know, a lot of you know, you know, moaning, totally, Pro- uh, moaning about this, problems about that, Definitely. rather than finding solutions. Exactly that, you know, exactly that, and that's where the mindset comes in. The mind, yeah, the mindset being around, you know, just positivity, mm-hmm. you know, feeling empowered. Feeling empowered is a big one. You know, when 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 we change the management team structure, starting at the top, um, you know, this is not to my credit. This is to the credit of the MD that came in. Um, you know, he he just took away some of the restrictions and controls that even the management team felt because prior to that the, the MD was a little bit controlling, you know, the, the environment was a little bit controlling so you know straight away just taking away some of that constraint um, just makes people feel like they can actually I can go and make a decision and change something you know without having to ask someone mm. you know and we were all certainly the MD I worked for and we, all be, we were all advocates of making decisions and making change and not being scared of that decision being the wrong decision. Because ultimately, you know, you will make decisions that are wrong. You know, but actually, maybe it's better off making the decision, making the change, and finding out that actually, okay, maybe I did, maybe it was wrong, or I could have done something slightly different. Maybe that's better than actually just not making the decision. You know what, I think that lesson can be taken, and I think that's a critical lesson, and I think that lesson can also apply for everyone who's starting out of business. Because something, you will fail, you will make a mistake, yeah. You've got to pick, pick yourself up, pivot, and then move forward. Just like you're saying, that having the the confidence or the um, being allowed to make a decision and not it not mattering, or it would matter, but you know, it not being mission critical for it not to work. As long as you then learn, pivot, move forward, I think that's massive. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, feeling feeling you know, for people to feel brave and to feel confident they can make decisions and also to feel that it, there's, not, there's not a blame culture. 100%. You know, so actually, if it's wrong, okay, maybe it could, be, maybe it could cost the company money, but if, if that person can sit there with their manager or whoever it is and say, look, I made the decision based on this, this, and this. Okay, this has gone wrong. Sure. Uh, I'm sorry, I can explain it. You know, but but you, know, you understand that that person made a decision on, you know, certainly with, with the, the best, intention. best intention. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that is so critical. You know, I'm, you know I'm, I'm finding that definitely now. You know, at the moment it's just me. I'd love to have employees again in the future. Um, but you know, I'm, you know, I'm working for myself. I'm having to make decisions there and then quickly, yeah. you know, yeah. quickly and get just get stuff done. Otherwise, you just never get anywhere. I think. Definitely. And actually, I can imagine in a big corporate environment when you know you're talking about the old MD who was quite controlling, then I would imagine decisions would never get made because if if you always had to ask. For you, you know, for, for the okay, yeah. that just creates another layer. Um, you know, yeah. it takes longer. Whereas, if, you know, any small business like you'll find yourself, you can make a decision now and, and yeah. do something about it and move, and move, move. And that's why small businesses are so agile; they can actually uh, you know, move forwards. Uh, absolutely, you know, and I think that's where you know, I'm finding you know running a small marketing agency where potentially I might compete with a bigger marketing firm. You know, hopefully, I've I've actually got that agility over, mm. over a bigger business. Mm. The same same for you guys. So. And I guess if you can keep that agility when the firm gets bigger, that's yeah. the, not only the challenge, yeah. but I think maybe the secret recipe for a successful so. business. I think so, I think you're right. So that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Cool, okay, so, so that was an amazing sort of turnaround. Then what happened? Yeah, so um, the, the company I was in, um, Carver, actually went through a major sort of global merge. Um, you know, so we've become this sort of 23, 24 million pound business, 130 employees in, in, in the country. Uh, we had a site in, in Tiverton in, in the southwest, and we had a site in, in North London. Um, and um, yeah, c- c- two or three years ago, all of a sudden the news broke that we were merging with one of our competitors, or not really a competitor, as an industry player that was quite a good, quite a good fit, uh, well, very good fit. Um, and suddenly in the UK, we were facing the prospect of actually merging with a company in the UK who had a site in Hertfordshire um, and becoming four times bigger almost overnight. Um, although it was a year-long process, really, you know, we didn't. I wouldn't say we necessarily went through a selection process, but you know, it was kind of there was a period of uncertainty in terms of um, you know who we gonna who yeah, who was gonna keep their, their, their mm. jobs, who wasn't, you know, how 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 the shape of the business would, would change, mm. 
You know, although we were used to change, we, we hadn't changed. It's not like we'd been through any major acquisitions or mergers in, mm. in 10 years. So we weren't, we weren't used to major change. Mm. Um, so, um, so I went through, I went through this process, uh, through this merge, and I actually retained my job. My job got bigger. You know, suddenly I had a part of a marketing team in the Southwest, part of a marketing team in Hitchin and Hertfordshire. Um, and I had this challenge of, you know, bringing sort of a marketing team sort of together across two locations, you know, budget, a marketing budget that had um, pretty much quadrupled in size, you know, more markets, more products and all that sort of thing. And it was a great, I think if, if it was 10 years previous to that, I think I would have looked at it as a, right, I'm up for this challenge, it's massive, you know, it is the next big step that I really want. But it came at a time where the thoughts and ideas around starting my own business were so fixed in my mind that it that it wasn't enough of a step to um you know to stop these sort of these desires to start my own business so so within a year of um of, of working with the management team on this merge i sort of you know i kind of not woke up one day but but certainly you know decided relatively quickly after a holiday in, in fact in the summer i sort of came back and thought actually you know what i'm gonna I'm, it's now's the time to to go to try something new you know um and so, then, did that coincide with having a family and children and yeah a little like bit that? i mean yeah i mean i, I mean yeah my, my daughter had just started school I mean, it's only this was only like 18 months ago mm. my daughter had just started school yeah we had we got i mean my son's only two now so mm. yeah he was only what six months or something um so yeah two yeah two really young children you know suddenly my job my job was always high pressured but suddenly i worked in a company that's four times bigger loads more traveling even though I'm, you know I have, I've always done lots of traveling but but yeah it was a different prospect mm. and it was kind of like well actually you know do I really have I got the energy to not energy is maybe the wrong word but you know do I do I want that you know do I, do I want you know for a start you know I would have needed that I was kind of pretty much in Hertfordshire every week for, mm. for a period of time you know we were committed to, to living in North Devon raising your family it's kind so of like, living you know, in a completely different area to where you're working yeah exactly and living away from home were you living literally away yeah the whole hotels a lot well yeah maybe maybe a couple of nights and then back but mm. you know you, you drive back you know you have a couple of nights away and then you drive back and get back at one o'clock in the morning so you might go like three or four nights easily with, easily without seeing the kids mm. um you know which you know is fine for a period of time and, I, and i've done that for for a long time but yeah it was just it was just a you know i think the age is well you know i, I turn out I, I just turned 40 and I kind of thought, well, actually, Joe, you know what if I I could easily carry on doing this for another five or ten years? But actually, if I wake up at fifty and really regret having, you know, it, it might be too late, you know. Mm. Actually, and it was just kind of a, a a number of different factors that kind of led me to think, actually, you know, now is exactly the time. Mm. Now is definitely the time to do it. Brilliant. Uh, so, so what? Yeah, what an amazing sort of uh, story. And yes. I think it's quite. <laughs> what was the moment? The actual moment that you said, right now, I'm doing it. Um, was there a moment, or was it a case was. of an evolution of moments? I think it was an evolution of moments. Yeah. Um, but I remember we were on, we were on holiday. We were we were we went. It was really nice, but not, not both. But we, were, we were on this cruise ship. Went to the Mediterranean. It's lovely. And I met. But I, I got talking to this guy over coffee who was um, who was sort of marketing and sort of design, and he'd gone freelance. But you know, he was quite inspirational. He was talking to me. He was a similar age, and he'd, and he'd and he'd been in employed roles all his career, and he'd made this 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 leap. So I spent time talking to him. I, you know, obviously I already had the ideas, but you know, he was quite inspiring. And I, I walked. I remember walking away from this conversation, thinking, "I've got to do this. I've just got to do awesome. this." You know, and that I think that was in the July, and by the September, I was sitting in the boardroom with with my MD, who I'd worked with for you know nine, ten years, telling him that I'd made this decision. And actually, that was the most that was the most nerve wracking one of the most nerve wracking conversations I'd, I'd had. You know, sort of work wise, was just telling this guy that. I've made this decision, you know, because it was, it wasn't the, it, it wasn't the best time for the business because the, the business was still and is still very much in this process of merging. Mm. Um, you know, transitional. Of, very transitional. There's a lot of trust within the management team. You know, we all got on really well, and you know, we, all, we were all friends. We were friends with it, and I'm still, I still am. I've left under, under the best possible circumstances, but, but you know, conveying the news was difficult. But um, but yeah, it was just, but it was a relief. You know, I think you made the decision. You know, I think all the fears, the fear, the fears don't go away. I think you have the fear around coming away from all that security mm. and uh, you know, salary, I had a nice car, I had healthcare and dental care and pension mm. and all that sort of stuff, all that security. You know, and that, and that was, there's a massive fear factor there with having a young, a young family. Um, however, I think once you've made the decision, that fear factor really drops because the decision is made, you know, and it's like, right, I'm doing this now. And did you feel that fear factor or that pressure 
to support the family? Did, did that drive you yeah. to really think, right, I'm not going to let this you know, completely smother me. I'm going to use it to use it as energy to yeah. m- motivate myself and move forward. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, you know, it is, it, it is really tough because, um, you know, my wife works for herself as well. And mm. she's, she's, over the last year, eight months, she's got busier and busier with, with, with her job. And it was, it, was a, it was a real positive that I came away from all of this security of a salary um, you know, she had we, we as a family had the had the, the comfort of knowing that you know her business is doing relatively well. Mm. We've got we've still got an income even if my mm. even if I've got no income for mm. a period of time, which which you know which we've experienced. Well, like any business starting out, you know, it's yeah. it's, it's a grind, isn't it? And you've got to start yeah. from ground zero, literally. Yeah. You got to start from nothing. Totally, you know, and I'm, I'm still <clears throat> I'm still on that journey, you know. But I think it's it's such a weird thing with money, you know. I think. Um, it's funny because I think you know, as as an just as an as an example, you know, as an employee, I, I had a relatively good salary, and when I received that paycheck, you know, of X amount, and it was a decent, you know, decent amount, it was it was still not the same feeling as actually invoicing a client for a lot. You know, I could invoice invoice a client for two hundred pounds. You know, it's, it's nothing really, yeah. but I get more of a satisfaction, more of a joy from actually invoicing and receiving payment for two hundred pounds yeah. than I would receiving a paycheck for. A lot more, yeah, and that's totally weird, isn't yeah. it? But it, but it is true because I think because it's, it's something, something you're building yourself, and you're yeah, developing it, yeah. You know, that's all on you, yeah, yeah, definitely. You own that, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I think coming back to that sort of fear factor, I think you know, support's really important, isn't it? So, I think going back to sort of home life and things like that, you know, I'm really fortunate that my wife's been you know, supportive, you know, supportive financially, you know, and, and also supportive in, in the sense that, yeah, she, she you know, because. You have bad days, you have bad weeks, or whatever way. You know, you don't. You're not. You're not always positive. No. Of well, you, know, you try to be, but um, but you're not always. So you're I think human. You're human. Yeah, yeah. You have knocks, you know. And, I, and, and I've, I've had a, I've had an interesting week this this week with with a client that's kind of you know refused to pay or not being in a position to pay. And, you know, it's frustrating. You know, really frustrating. So I think even just just having someone at home that kind of says, look, you know, don't worry, it's fine. You know, forget it, move on, concentrate on the next thing. You know, so you know that's that's, that's important. Isn't it? There's challenges every day. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's you need that certain robustness about yourself in terms of your personality to yeah. not let that those outside factors factors affect you, your vision, your you know the direction of travel. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there will be knockbacks every single day. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest learning curves for me. I think because you know because I've been employed for so long and not necessarily had those knocks. I mean, okay, you have knocks a little bit in in in, in, in employed jobs, but they're different. Um, but I think experiencing them. Working for yourself, it, that that's been one of my biggest challenge, biggest mm. learning experiences. Really, I think, you know, I sometimes you do take things personally, mm. um, and when I found myself sort of getting down and kind of realizing that actually, look, it, you know, it's it's almost it's worse to, to, you know, lament over something that's not worked out or a mm. client that you've fallen out with, not fallen out with, or a client that can't pay. Mm. Um, it takes so much time and energy, even just thinking about it, mm. worrying about it, or just being pissed off about mm. it. You know, you might as well you might as well forget it, mm. even if it's a decent amount of money. You might as well forget it and actually spend the next hour working for a client who's actually. Pay- I know it's common sense, but you know, I think that that experience of being really focused on your time, really focused on what you what you concentrate on, where you concentrate your, your energies, is so important. Massively important. You can really get distracted on on effectively the irrelevant things in the bigger picture. Yeah. In the bigger picture. Yeah. And I think that's. I went through a similar thing earlier this year. Um, I won't go into too much detail, but again, the reason I won't go into too much detail is not because I give a shit, by the way, <laughs> and <laughs> but it's because I don't want it to distract me in terms of my mental yeah. focus of where I'm going. You know, I literally something happened earlier this year, and I made a decision. Well, you know what? I'm not even going to waste my energy or my breath with that individual moving yeah. forward. And I'm literally, so I don't talk about it because I don't give a shit about it because yeah, I'm focused yeah. on moving forward. Yeah. And every time I think about it, it's distracting me from the bigger picture. Yeah. So it's just yeah. an irrelevance. Absolutely. Abs- yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, I've experienced that. that you know, and, I, and you know, I think I, mean, I was talk, talking to um, talking to Tab yesterday about this in, in the meeting we had. And um, So those who don't know who Tab is, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Tab's my wife, Tabitha, and uh, she's a graphic designer. But, um, and that, that's partly also how we met. Yeah, yeah, I think you connected with Tab because she's a graphic designer. Was that yeah, right? No, definitely. And, and, yeah, yeah. So you were sort of like starting out. Yeah, I mean, one, I was look, you know, one, you know, I'm, I was looking for kind of um, people to outsource my client work to for different things, design, video, web mm. development, you know, building a team, 
Yeah, yeah, building an outsource team, and and also I was obviously I was obviously developing the, my own brand and my yeah. own website, so yeah. I needed someone to design my yeah. my, my own stuff. So um, so yeah, so I, I connected with Tab, yeah. and and yeah, and Tab's worked for me on my my site, my brand, and is now working for my wife's on my wife's um, brand and yeah. her website as well. Yeah. So fantastic, and that's how we sort of connected, basically, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But um, yeah, we yeah. just went off tangent then. So. We did a bit. I can't remember what I was saying. I think, um, <laughs> I think I was saying I was talking to Tab yesterday about um, yeah about I think I was talking to her about you know a, a problem I've had recently with with a customer who 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 couldn't pay me and and you know I think you know I'll probably just re restate what you've already said but I think you know I was we were, we had the conversation around just the amount of time and effort you can you can spend on it. Oh yes, right. You you were, you were talking about kind of not wasting time on on, on individuals and I think that's. Yeah, it's just so important, you know, and I've done that. Even even if you're just I'm driving down the road and I'm just thinking about this individual. Mm. Whereas I could have driven down that road, I've got a twenty minute drive, I could have phoned my client and I'd have mm. chatting that to mm. But instead I've I've driven down the road and I've just been getting a bit angry and a bit frustrated mm. about this client. I've wasted twenty minutes of my of my life thinking about it, you know, and that's it's so important, is that and I think, you know, maybe we could talk a bit about about time management. I spoke to someone yesterday morning actually on the school run about sort of time management and things. And I've always kind of, I kinda of, I've always, I guess I've prided myself on being relatively good at it, um, but I think working for myself and sort of being home-based now and things, it's a, diff it's a different kind of challenge when it comes to time management. And I'm, I'm finding that actually I need to be quite ruthless in a way. You know, I think social media, I mean, social media is fantastic. We all love it. You know, we're, running, we're on Instagram Live now, you know, but I'm sure we're all guilty of like going on to something like Facebook. I might go on to Facebook for a particular reason. I might go on to post something, but actually I've done the post, but then I've stayed on there for half an mm. hour just looking at rubbish. Mm. And I've lost half an hour of my time in the working day. It's just not, you know, and it's stuff no. like that. It's been really, really ruthless with the time. It is. It is. I, I do. I do something which is. I, I can't really describe it other than I. I either rate things as mission critical or not. Yeah. And when something's not mission critical for me, I, I literally have zero attention for it. It's not to say it's not important, and possibly, and unfortunately, I'm building a team. I'll get somebody to either do that for me, yeah. or, or or if they ask me a question and I don't do a mission critical, I say let just sort it out yourself. Yeah, yeah. And often they'll be well, it's important. Well, in my picture, in my bigger vision, it's oh, not important. Yeah. So you can sort it. Let's yeah. move it forward. And I think yes. you have to you have to filter. Yeah, you, you really have really. to have to filter because you, really you cannot really. make all the decisions. You cannot do everything. Yeah, I think it's absolutely critical. Yeah. Yeah, you, you really do, you really do. I mean, we, it's funny, we, we, in, in my last sort of employed role, we really got into um, visual management. And in a way, I was, I was actually one of the people that I wasn't really up for it. And we had this one guy in the business who, if, if you ever listen to this, we'll let, yeah, he'll, he'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and he was a pioneer. Hi, whoever you are. Yeah, <laughs> guy called Angelo. I'll, I'll, make, I'll make him listen. Um, but he was a pioneer, I'm sure he still is, um, when it comes to you know, visual management and, yeah. and suddenly, you know, he drove it in the business, suddenly we had whiteboards all over the business, you know, and some, some of the whiteboards were around KPIs, you know, key performance indicators, you know, of different sorts. If you're in a sales department, you might have your top clients on there, yeah. you know, maybe spend yeah. that month or, you know, versus budget, whatever, whatever it is, it was whatever worked for your, your team or your department. Um, and I was, I was not an advocate of it, but I started to evolve and actually understand that actually it, for a team environment it works brilliant, it works brilliant because it's just there, it's visual, you know, it's not that it's they don't have to collapse, they've gone to an Excel sheet, yeah, it's yeah. just there, they can come on, it can, even if they're having, they're having a five minute away from their screen, they can look at the, the board, get a quick view of where we are, mm. and as long as people are updating it. And it's funny that, you know, now I saw the value in the end from a team environment, I started using it and I, 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 saw, I saw its power. And actually, you know, now working for myself, it's funny because a couple of weeks ago I started up almost lecturing my wife and saying, yeah, she was like saying, well, I've got this client, I've got that client, I'm losing, I'm losing track of what, you know. And I was like, what you need is this visual management. And I'm starting to think, actually, I'm starting to incorporate it now into my work. That's using it. really interesting because yeah. we are, um, I don't want to get too off, off, off <coughs> subject of talking about you, but we're, we're, we're developing tech startup and part of that is creating visualizations and using big data. But yeah. what we're going to be doing is also, um, um, sucking in internal visualizations so of KPIs things like that. Right. So yeah. that's and I, I, I see the power in that massively. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. even for you know a, a small mortgage brokerage firm, when actually you can have the key key, key KPIs. Yeah. You know that everyone can see, and everyone yeah. can sort of you know 
right, where's the target? How you know what percentage are we to our target or whatever it is? Yeah, totally. Or everyone's on the page. Mm. We're communicating. Yeah. It's all about the communication, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And I think having just joined up objectives across the business. You know, and actually, you know, it's like a dashboard view, isn't it? Mm. And actually, we were funny in my last business. We we. I guess it started life as actual physical visual management, so it was on whiteboards, and it had to be for you know in a factory environment, it mm. had to be on a whiteboard. But actually, the, the question we came with the, the, one of the big sort of um, challenges we had was that you know we had 30, 40 sales reps on the road in cars. Mm. Of course, they you know they're, they're not in front of a whiteboard. Yeah, they're, they're home. So um, you know we started to develop online dashboards. Yeah, you know, yeah. so, and some of them were mirroring what we'd have on whiteboards. Yeah. You know, fine, but but you know they were able to access them on their on their on their phones on their iPads or whatever. But it was still visual. So yeah, it was that was. That's quite interesting. One. Awesome. <laughs> so, n- moving forward, what's the yeah. you know, what's the plans for good vibes? Yeah. So yeah. I so like the name. How did you come up with the name, by the way? Well, I think it was just around being. To be honest, it was around being positive. Yeah. You know, because I think you know we we again you know not you know not to sort of go over it again, but in 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 my last role, you know, we'd gone through this sort of cultural change. We 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 we, we developed a positive mindset, but when we went through the merge, there was a lot of uncertainty. So actually. It, it took a back. It took a, a knock, really. That the culture took a knock because there was, a lot, there was some negativity and there was a lot of uncertainty. And um, you know, but I was kind of one of the people that quite a few of the guys who were felt uncertain about their roles kind of came to. I kind of almost became this like counselor, I think, in the business. <laughs> and I was worried about my job at the same time. But um, but I was always I seemed to be always the, the positive one. So when I started my business, I thought, you know, I wanted it to be all based around pos- positivity. Yeah. And also, it was a link to the vibe thing. You know, I think on my website, I've got this definition of what of what of the word vibe. You know, and, and, and the fact that it's your perception of anything, your perception of a person, your perception of a product, your perception of a business. And I thought, well, actually, that's what marketing's all about. You know, it's about creating that, that perception, isn't it? Creating right. the right perception. So, um, so that's how I came up with the name. Um, so, I, you know, I wanted it to be sort of fun. You know, I didn't want it to be sort of stuffy. You know, I'm, I'm getting older, but you know, maybe it won't work when I'm fifty or sixty, but. Maybe I'm still young enough for it to carry you know on. What? You know what, for you 20 year olds, we still feel 20 or 30. Exactly. I, I, I know that, I know that, without even asking you, because it's fact. So Definitely. I can 100%, you know, it's, it's, you do not feel any older than you used to. And you think, geez, no. I've turned 40 this year. It's ridiculous. What the hell? What, what happened? I know, it's crazy. Seriously. It's crazy. You know, and I think in a way, I almost feel a bit younger, you know. I think working in that sort of corporate environment, and we talked about, you know, mm. attire. You know, mm. we're sort of sitting here in casual clothes. You know, I, I did work in an environment where not, it wasn't, it, it, you, it was kind of suits mm. and shirts and ties initially, but it became a bit more, um, but it was still jackets and, and, and trousers. And, um, you know, and it's different now, isn't it? You know, and it's, you know, you want to sort of feel relaxed and you want to feel, you know, sort of dynamic and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, so I, yeah, so I sort of, you know, I wanted it to be fun. Uh, I wanted it to be engaging. Um, it's funny because I, you know, I, I, my background is really sort of B2B. To, to so um, when I sort of launched the brand locally, I started to get quite a bit of interest from companies that operated in markets where I didn't really have the experience, you know, sort of, you know, leisure, um, you know, clothing, you know, sports, a bit of surf, surfing, and you know, local coffee shop, maybe something like that. But it's very, very, it was you know, very alien to not alien, but you know, different to to what I kind of used to do in terms of small businesses and small businesses. Yeah. yeah, and so I've sort of had that, but I've, I've, I'm at a really quite a strange point. You know, I've, I'm getting the interest locally to a degree. I've not got a big local customer base, and you know, you know, I've not got loads of clients. But the bulk of my clients are actually still based around the southeast, London. Mm. They're kind of B two B. I'm working with with a couple with a couple of players in the industry that that I used to work in um, through through contacts contacts I know. Uh, and then I've got a couple of really random ones. I've been working with these directors of a, of a chateau in France that are desperate to sort of turn the um, you know turn the occupation rate round. You know they've got a lovely chateau in, in the Loire Valley and it's only just um, breaking even, even though it's a luxury. So let's do, let's do a shout out. Have we lost the Insta feed? <laughs> <laughs> Batteries. <laughs> um, let's do a shout out, who are they? Yeah, well it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a chateau called Chateau de, de Bois-Giraud, and it's in the Loire Valley. Um, it's got a website called, I think the website is Chateau de Loire Valley. They've got a domain name, chateauloirevalley.com. You try to spell it um, out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's run by three sisters. Um, they are descendants of the, the Selfridge family, and that's actually how I how I met them. Um, As in the Selfridges. The Selfridges. Who oh wow. who, who, yeah, the, the Harry Selfridge who, who developed the, the retail store. They're descendants of, of him. That's how I got in contact with them, actually, which I can come on to. But three sisters. They inherited this chateau. Um, it's it's kind of breaking even, you know. But there's a lot of potential to 
developing, you know, they're not really they're not really running sort of corporate events, not really running weddings. They're they're trying to attract sort of wealthy families, I guess, from sort of the southeast, without yeah. being yeah. you know, sort of geographic ist uh, about it. But um but yeah, they, they want to sort of grow. Not, you know, it's nice, it's totally totally different from from, from working with a with a company that, that sells locks locks and keys, which you know, like similarly love and that's my background, I've got a lot of experience of. So, you know, I'm getting a lot of variety. Um, and I'm kind of trying to find my sort of sweet spots. And I keep getting asked the question of, you know, well, I certainly got asked the question at the start, you know, do I specialise in a particular sector? Do I specialise in a particular channel? Uh, and if you look at my, the, the Good Vibes Marketing website, I've actually purposely kept it quite general at the moment. And I've actually positioned it like a marketing agency because I'd like to grow. Mm-hmm. So it's me, and this comes back to how I sort of contacted Tab because I wanted to have that network of professionals that I can outsource to. Of course. Um, I want to be transparent as well. So when I go and sit in front of a client, I'll completely open and say, look, it is just me. There's loads of stuff I can do myself. I've got lots of experience. If you want me to be that outsourced marketing manager or marketing director and be, you know, be, come at it more from a strategic angle, yep. that's, that's, I know that's what I'm good at and I can yep. do that. If you want me to do the doing, I'm working with a client now where I'm literally just working on their social media posts mm-hmm. and a lot of content. It's quite rich content, so I'm doing a lot of research, but it is posting content. Fine with that. Um, you know, some different levels of, of services. But similarly, if I need to outsource to a photographer, if I need to outsource to a video guy, mm-hmm. if I need to outsource to a designer, um, or web, web developer, you know, I've got these people, um, you know, in most cases, you know, they're people that I know well, they're trusted relationships, in some cases I've actually, um, you know, fixed some competitive pricing levels with them so that I can kind of say to the client, look, I feel like I can, you know, give you a good deal, I can compete against the bigger agency down the road if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're looking at those guys. I, you know, I'm, I'm, Hopefully I'm more agile, we talk about agility, you know, I'm not a big agency at the moment. But ultimately it's positioned like an agency because it effectively I'd like I'd like to grow. So, you know, a lot like it's it's probably stereotypical, but like a lot of companies, a lot of agencies grow, for instance, you know, something that, you know, if if, if you spend X amount on design or X amount on photography in one year, you might say to yourself, Well actually, <clears throat> maybe I can bring that resource in house now because I've actually I've got a I've got an established client base I could afford for that to be my employee, I can bring that person in house and maybe I can bring that person in house and, then, and gradually, gradually mm. grow and then ultimately maybe become that agency that, that, that can offer that, that service all round. Mm. No, absolutely, that's, that's, well, that's amazing. Do you feel, go talk about the, your market and where you're attracting the business? You're talking about a little bit at the moment in the South East, obviously it'd be nicer to have more yeah. clients locally. Yeah. What do you think, is, is there a reason for that? Is it? And the only reason I can think of is it just because the southeast is much wealthier. There's a lot bigger businesses, a lot more money, and a lot more spend. And you know, yeah. in in Devon, there's less so, particularly North Devon compared to maybe Exeter or Plymouth. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think you know, there's a, there's definitely a perception of value, I guess, and that 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 perception changes depending on geography. So I think you know, clear. I mean, clearly, you know, I'm not doing down a local coffee shop, but that coffee shop has not got. The budget to spend a lot of money. They might still have some budget, <clears throat> and it's been, it's about being clear on, you know, what they want to achieve. Yeah. You know, and actually, you know, I could work with that with that type of client on a particular type of service. Where you know, maybe things like social media yeah. and some video stuff and, and things like that. You know, that, that they can still they can still achieve some some um, some progress when it comes to their marketing, yeah. but they but they haven't necessarily got the spend that that big B two B client's got in the southeast. So I think it's being clear with the clients. You know where you you know where the best place to to spend your money is. Mm. I think you know it's like I'm sure you get the same. I think it's understanding with it's understanding from the client quite early on. Or you know around you know are they serious? You know are they, I mean because they've got to be you know have they got something to spend? Because mm. they can't. It's not yes you can do a lot of stuff on social media for free, but you know ultimately if you want to engage in someone's service like this, there's got to be some budget. Of course. Um, so it's having those sort of conversations up front and getting that clear. Um, but yeah, I think budget definitely is a big one when it comes to, to the geography. Um, Just smaller businesses generally. Yeah. And, and therefore yeah. smaller income, smaller uh, yeah. budgets to spend on marketing, yeah. things like that. Yeah. I think so. I think so, yeah. Yeah. That's but, always you know, a challenge. But I think, you know, you know the, the, if, if you, if you, even if you just take North Devon, you know, and you think about and you separate it in terms of the B2B sort of um Sort of cluster and the B and the B to C sort of cluster. So you think about the coffee shops and the local electricians and yeah. local plumbers, and that's fine. You know, and there's still stuff that I could do with those guys, yeah. um, albeit at a lower level in terms of spend. Um, but similarly, you know, you look at North Devon, and you know, we talked about well, you know, you you suddenly, you know, you might find this business that's doing five five or ten million quid, 
they're based in Rounds well. Well, there are those businesses. There are those businesses, aren't there? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's surprisingly a lot of manufacturers and and all the rest of this. So there are. There are there. There's fewer of them. Some factories. Yeah, little factories. So yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I think I think the one thing that you know maybe is worth sort of putting on record for this. I think I think. You know, I've not done lots of networking and, and should probably do more. I think also, I think there's a bit of a gap. I think there's a bit of a gap in, in Devon or certainly North Devon in terms of maybe more of a B2B sort of networking. So you think about um, the Perigos and the, and the Atlases and some of the big, you know, mm. the, the big sort of players around here. Um, you know, I think there probably needs to be another forum for, for some of these guys to sort of network and, and sort of meet up. It's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit sort of lacking, I guess, I think. I think. There's lots of like there's the FSBs and the sort of BNIs and that sort of thing, but I think the scopes are to probably do more. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Or just go bang on the doors. Well, exactly. <laughs> of course, of course. You know, message them, bang on the doors, phone them. You know, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and just just speak to them. Of course, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, but I think I think you're right. I think there are challenges um, with our area, and I've talked about this before. You know, certainly with our industry mortgages. In all honesty, you know. It, we, we, our industry, in mortgage brokers, we need lots of chimney pots, yeah. lots of professionals, and yeah. in all honesty, you just look at the demographics, and you know, and on, like you said, we're not, I'm not beating down the area, because I love it, I live here, yeah, and all the rest of it, and we, we sign up for it, and I'm never, I'm never one to make excuses, but I think it's just a fact, the demographics are perfect for our industry, yeah. you just walk, you look around the street, it's a lot of old people, yeah, or, um, or maybe um, unemployed people. Yeah. And, and that's the reality of a lot of seaside towers, actually. It is, isn't it? Yeah. So course, I think you know the beauty of the internet for us is we're able to have a much wider reach, and you know we've got our office next to, and you know we're sort of making you know start starting to make waves down there, you know, yeah. and but even even we don't need an office in you know in these places in London. We've got clients in London. And I think yeah, the yeah. beauty of the internet, you can have that bigger reach, but you've got to yeah. commit to marketing. Yeah, and that's going yeah. back to committing to a budget committing to you know using somebody like yourself to actually help grow your business yeah yeah i think i think you know one beauty of it of, of obviously you know being a sort of freelancer or setting your own business up nowadays is obviously there are, there are the sort of remote working you know opportunities aren't there and the fact that actually a lot of businesses even decent sized big big sort of businesses are you know less worried about you know working with or outsourcing to um you know, to a, to a partner that's based 250 miles away. It doesn't it's matter. Not, well, they outsource to India. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. why would they outsource to, yeah. you know, to Devon from, from the southeast? Yeah, and actually, exactly. probably the, the rates that they'll be paying, you know, at, you know will be lower. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. You'd, certainly, you'd feel like you could compete with a London company. You know, 100%. Be on a really good so, yeah, and that's, that's definitely one beauty of sort of being where we are. You know, the, the drug thing doesn't matter too much. Uh, you know, I think you know you'd like to support the local area and the local community mm. more. And you know, I certainly think you know a bit like you. You know, you're developing a team, and I think when I'm in a position, um, you know, to take employees on, that that you know, that's I, I would certainly be able to support the local community in terms of bringing employees on mm. locally. Mm. You know, and I, and I saw I saw I saw that you you'd done that. Um, you go you go and met the students at Petrock. I've done that yeah. at Petrock yeah. as well. Yeah. I, I went to the Petrock University in Tiverton. Yeah. Um, but I've done that, you know, and actually sort of given, you know, giving some, giving students, I guess, in the area, some insight into running a business or running a marketing business. And it's something I, you know, I never had no. sort of growing up. I never really had that when I was at college. So no, no, you know, I guess there are other, I guess, even, you know, I guess there are other, there are, there are a variety of ways to sort of give back to the community as well, as well as establishing the client base. Yeah, 100%, yeah. 100%. So, um, so moving forwards, you just want to sort of crack on good vibes, keep pushing it forwards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and just yeah, just want to grow. Just want just want more business, really. And uh, yeah, just grow it, really, and, and, and see where see where brilliant, it takes me. Brilliant. Yeah. So tell us um, a little bit. I'm going to come on to that bit that I said. I'm going to pick your brain on. You're not okay. sure what I'm talking no, about. You're sort of looking a little bit worried. <laughs> but don't worry, it's nothing yeah. too bad. <laughs> but just just quickly before I ask about that. So with um, that family who owned that. Chateau. How did you sort of connect with that? What was that uh, story? Yeah, about? well, that's um, basically I um, over the years I started. I read a load of articles on on Harry Selfridge. There was a TV series that came out, mm. um, but even before that, I read a couple of articles about him, and I, I thought to myself, you know, I was at university and I studied. You study some of the some of the big ones like like McKinsey, even even down to entrepreneurs. I remember studying Alan Sugar and Richard Branson and things like that. And yeah, you know, you, you can get a lot from those, from those characters and, and them, them more modern day. 
Um, but you know, there isn't any new model day coming through. Is no, there, I suppose <clears throat> in, in the UK. In the UK, um, is there anybody that's really standing out as a young new one? You've got Dyson. He's up. He's, a, he's an old dude. Yeah, yeah, he's Richard been around Bradson, for a long time. Around, they've all been around for quite a long time. Been? You look at some of the Dragons Den guys; they've been all been around for a long time. They're people you know, um, and I guess even in the states, you know, now with 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 um, you know Facebook founder and obviously Steve Jobs has passed away, but some of the, some of the pioneers around Microsoft and Apple and stuff like that. Yeah, they're all still they're all like they're not necessarily current day, are they? So maybe maybe it's, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk of disruptors, and actually this this comes back to the, to the selfish thing. You know, like the term disruptor is. Is, is labelled, um, you know, so much now, isn't it, in, in, in social media? And that could be anyone. It could be it could be a famous entrepreneur or a celebrity, or it could just be someone that you know started a new tech company that, that, that someone feels like they're disrupting the market. And that the, the, the disruptor thing is quite interesting. When when I am um, so come back to the selfish thing, I kind of had this interest in basically I just became interested in what he achieved. So although he was around in the early 1900s, I felt like what he'd achieved in, in developing this store for his time was so revolutionary from a marketing perspective. Actually, he was a, he was a salesperson, but he was a marketer. You know, he created this whole experience of going into a store that is now just commonplace. You know, you go into John Lewis's and the makeup counter is at the front. And it's at the front because Selfridge was the first person to realize that if you put it at the front, the smells and the colors attract that female audience. And that's what he, and that's what he wanted. He was the first person to put double glazing into a store. He was the first person to put heat, you know, heating and air conditioning into a store. He was the first person to put restaurants into a Amazing. store. Yeah, he was the first person to create to make shopping an experience. Amazing. So I just became interested in this character. Mm. Then the TV series came out, which was dramatised, mm. um, but you know, get, got me thinking even more. And I basically read a lot of articles and I discovered that his great great granddaughter um, is quite. It's quite outspoken about him. She she she's written articles positively, um, positively, mm. yeah, positively. Um, she's written articles. She speaks to the press. She's quite sort of available and sort of out there. And I sort of thought it's a bit like I've stalked her really. But I thought, you know what? I've had this interest. I've thought about it quite a lot over the years. I'm just going to send her a message and say, look, you know, it's not for any kind of commercial gain. It's purely a personal. It's like a hobby. It's purely a personal interest. But I'd like to basically write something about it about him. So I sent this message, went off, didn't think anything more about it, and she, she responded. So the next thing, I'm at her house in, in Henley-on-Thames, lovely place, she's treated me to lunch, she's bought out all this memorabilia, you know, I mean it was almost overwhelming. She had this stuff from Selfridge's um, daughter, she had old baby books and wow. things like that, and I was more interested, I was interested in his, in his business thing, not mm. really his personal life, but, um, but it, was, it was overwhelming that, you know, the, the amount she shared, it was fascinating. Um, and I picked up so much, um, so much more um, in terms of what he achieved. So I've gone away and I've actually been writing an article, which at the moment I'm trying to get published, I haven't got it published yet. Amazing. So I'm sort of, it's pretty much done and I've sent it off to a, to a, to a couple of contacts in the media to see if I can get it published. You should speak um, to Martin Dory, who I did a podcast session with, and that's big, I want to publish it hopefully, I've got time today. Yeah. And he talks a little bit about his, um, his experience with the media and his TV show and him publishing books and all right. that sort of stuff. So it's definitely worth yeah, that'd be checking good. that out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that'd be really good. And so yeah, so I thought I'd write this article purely from market marketing perspective, yeah, yeah. and it was it's, it's, it's aimed at sort of marketing professional or, or anyone interested in business and anyone interested in retail. But it's based around sort of um, you know a pioneer, a market, a marketing pioneer that I that I believe was way ahead of his time. Um, so, so that's what it is. Awesome. But, through, but through that, this this lady who is his great great granddaughter, um, her she's got three daughters, and her and she she kind of remarried, uh, married a lord basically, and but and, and, and had three daughters, and, and these three daughters are the da- are the daughters that have inherited this chateau in France. So as I'm talking to this lady about selfish, she kind of says, "You want to speak to one of my you know one of my daughters? They're struggling to sort of get this chateau." Um, sort of going and sort of making money so I've, I've got the contact through there you know what by giving you yeah. just don't know what's going to come to you exactly you know I genuinely had no sort of no want for any sort of commercial yeah, game yeah. it was purely Amazing. a hobby thing purely interest and uh, and so now I work with those guys wow. so yeah so that's, a, that's phenomenal <laughs> I, mean, I can't wait to sort of hear much more about yeah, it cool. but um, <clears throat> so the question I want to ask is and this is one I've been sort of leaving to the end yeah 
you have told me that you know Sisterling Moss. Oh, right, okay, yeah, And I'm yeah. fascinated to know more. I know you did tell me a little bit on a, <laughs> yeah. I think an Instagram message or something. <clears throat> yeah. I just, you know what, I, I, like, I love motor racing. My little boy's yeah. seriously into F1. Yeah. And obviously Sisterling Moss is a legend. Yeah. Totally, totally. And I'm yeah. just like, what a cool thing to yeah. personally know Sisterling Moss Actually, you said when your Instagram messages to me, you like go over and have cups of tea with him and yeah, his family. It's just like yeah. what? I'm really, I'm really. I've, got, I've actually got an open invite to um, whenever I'm in London to, to pop in for a, for a Can for I a come with you? you? You're more than welcome. <laughs> Let's do this. In fact, you normally get offered wine. I normally have to decline, but um, so it's like an all-day session. It's it could, it could easily more with his wife, I think, but um, <laughs> with, with Lady Susie. But um, yeah, no, we in my last job, we um, he was a big fan of my old company, Carver. So he, I don't know if you, you know, you remember like going back years, he's always been a, I mean, he's, he's, he's in his late 80s now, um, but he's always been a big fan of technology and gadgets. Um, so even going back to like the 80s, I think, and the, and the 90s, he had this contact or connection with the company I used to work for, and he would, he would always want the latest product. Um, and at that point, you know, at that point he just had locks and keys, but they were, they were they were kind of the locking products that you would see in uh, in Whitehall. He would he would have the most you know, the highest sort of security um, he could have. He lives in the, in the middle of he lives in um, just off Park Lane in, in Mayfair. He's got a lovely um, house that's got about six seven floors. The, the actual history behind the house is that he bought the last. It was supposedly it was the last ever. It was the last bomb plot from the, from the, from World War Two. The last bomb plot to be um, developed on. So wow. it was a hole. So he bought a hole and, and built a house. Um, just in Mayfair, and um, and it, you know some lovely premises, and he wanted to. He's always wanted to kit it out with the best stuff. So um, and then so when I when I came into the business, the business was changing from sort of mechanical products to um, you know electronic access products, um, you know car based stuff, and even even down to touch. Um, and so whenever we had a new product, he'd want to try it out. So I got you know from because I was marketing manager there, I. You know, wanted to give him the product. We wrote about okay. He wasn't. I guess he's not. Not to do him down, but he's not current, is he? He's yeah. not young. He's not current, but people still know him. Yeah, of still course, know him, you know, yeah. and he's loved and like you said, he's cherished as being one of the greatest F ones, F one drivers ever. So, um, so he's still a figure. And so, yeah, whenever a new product came out, we'd give him the product. He'd try it out, he'd, yeah. and he was very, you know, he's very down to earth, very blunt. He'd tell us if it was crap. Mm. Or if it didn't work, and, and that happened, you know, and we'd have to suddenly, <laughs> we'd have to cane it up to London because he couldn't get into his front door, which was you know that sort of stuff. Um, but he always loved, has always loved the business. Yeah. And um, the last product we gave him, which I'm sure he still got, was is a product called TouchGo, which is a door handle that still hasn't really been commercialised too much. I think it's a little bit too, too, still too expensive. The technology is a little bit too expensive, but it all exists around touch. And then, you know, like a lot of car keys now, you just have these transponders in your pocket. You just get in and drive. Mm. Well, this door handle is the same. So you've got a transponder in your pocket um, and it's, it, it sends a signal through your body. So as soon as you put your hand on the door handle, it flashes, little reader flashes green Amazing. and you're in. That's so cool. He's had that for a few years. Amazing. Um, and he loves it, his wife loves it. Um, so yeah, and so myself and this um, product manager who, who, who we work closely with, have basically become friends with him. We get Christmas cards from him. Brilliant. And we can phone him, we can exchange emails. His wife, you know, He's married to a, a, a lady called Lady Susie. He's, he's a sir now. He's been knighted, and um, they're so down to earth. You can just pop in and have a cup of tea with them. Brilliant. The, the best thing is, you know, and the first time I went in there, and it's still the same now. You go into his hallway, and he's got lots of like, you know, he's got like a glass case with lots of model racing cars and things. Um, but the most impressive thing is he's got um, some paintings and some uh, and some photographs that have been signed by some of the greats. So you go straight, you go right into his hall, and he's got. This um, picture of this racing car that's been signed by by Fangio, who was his sort of arch enemy, really. Or mm. actually, it was always made out that he was his arch enemy, but actually they they became you know Great close friends. friends. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got stuff in there signed by Michael Schumacher and Lewis amazing. Hamilton, and it's just it's amazing. You know, I'm, I I felt bad because I was never I was interested, but I was never a big F1 fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he but he would tell me stories, and I'd feel really bad that I didn't already know them. Yeah. So I sort of listened to the stories. I'd go back and I'd research them, and I'd find stuff online that just matched with the story. And Amazing. To hear that firsthand from from someone like Sterling Moss was just incredible. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it would be so amazing to do a podcast with Sister. That would be really cool. Do you know what he was? Um, I'd imagine that'd be very hard. Well, but... I don't know. I mean, you know, I we. Um, uh, Let's cross that bridge one day. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, the, you know, the biggest, the biggest deal we had with with Sterling Moss was. Um, 
few years back we had a I think we had maybe seven or eight people in the business who were celebrating their twenty fifth anniversary of, of being employed there. And we were really lucky we had we had we had a large amount of long service. Um, and because it was a, it was a bulk of them, we kind of said, wouldn't it be great if we actually got Sterling Moss to come down to Tiverton? And I phoned his PA. Although we've always had always had direct contact with him, I sort of phoned his PA and she said, look, Maybe what do you think about it? this? Yeah. So what do you think about it? Do you think he'd be up for it? Because I just didn't want to sort of ask him and put him on the spot. It's a bit out, yeah, out of yeah, order. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, after a few calls and stuff, he agreed to it, and he came down on the train to Tiverton, and I had to go and pick him up from the station. I swear. Driving my car with Sterling Moss in the passenger seat was the most nervous I've ever been driving down the link road. I tell you, and I kind of thought, imagine getting pulled over or something, Sterling Moss in there. I was so, it was like doing my driving test. It was incredible. But he came, he presented these yeah. awards, you know, he spoke to all of the guys, he signed stuff for them. Amazing. Yeah, and I think one thing he's always been famous for, been quite well known for in the, in, in the latter years, is that I don't know if it's still the case, but it, it's always been, he's always been known for it. Um, he, he responds, apparently responds to every single piece of fan mail that he gets. If he gets a letter or a, a request to sign something, it was always the story that he responds to absolutely everything. Um, what a legend. I think he's not been quite, he's not been as well over the last year, mm. 18 months. He was quite ill in um, Singapore. He was stuck in hospital in Singapore about a year, 18 months yes, ago. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Um, yeah. And I've heard less from him since yeah, then. Yeah, that was right? on the news. Yeah, and I think he's, I don't think, you know, I mean, what is he, I think he must be 87, 88 yeah, now, so, so, so he's getting on. But you never know, we, we could do a podcast, we'll try out. <laughs> we'll see. We could try out. We'll see. I'd love to, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Listen, Paul, thank you ever so much yeah, for coming. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's been a yeah, real pleasure. Enjoyed it. And if, for those who are listening, I'd love it if you can give Paul some support with Good Vibes Marketing. Definitely check him out. Um, it's been a real pleasure to have you on board. Thank you. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Hey podcast peeps, listen, thank you so much for listening to the Ben Parry podcast experience. It means the world to me for you guys to listen and I hope you got some real value out of it. If you can rate and review this podcast, it will mean the world to me as well. And um, listen, I really hope that you can keep tuned in and listen out for much more to come. So yeah, big love and catch up soon guys.